So today, like Matt said, we are starting a new series called Issues. And the cool thing about this series is that it applies to all of us. So some of our series that we work on uh, apply more to those that are Christ followers and growing in their faith. Other series that we do lean more towards people that are new to faith or exploring faith. But this series applies to each and every one of us. And I wanna start by telling you how this series applies to me. And as we begin, I've got a favor to ask of you. I ask that you keep this just between us, okay? So don't tell anybody what I'm about to tell you, all right? You got it? Okay, about half of you agreed to that. All right, hopefully the rest of you will agree to that later. But here is what I'm about to tell you. I have issues. These are my friends who know me well, apparently. I have a lot of issues. Let me be specific. I have pride issues, trust issues, anger issues, anxiety issues, attitude issues, control issues, temptation issues, insecurity issues, security issues, jealousy issues, image issues, comparison issues, coping issues, resentment issues, bitterness issues, faith issues, family issues, fear issues, failure issues, forgiveness issues, marriage issues, leadership issues, loneliness issues, communication issues, people-pleasing issues, and perfectionism issues. So Tim asked the question from the front row, is that all? Tim, you can go sit in the back, okay? We've got some ropes available for you back there. That is not all, Tim, there's more. I have balding issues. You noticed. I have hair growing out of my ears issues, the older I get. I have eyesight issues, I have taste bud issues, I have hearing issues, smelling issues, bladder issues, stomach issues, sleep issues, memory issues, mental fog issues. Wait, what are we talking about? (laughs) Sometimes it happens in the middle of a service, it's scary when it does. I've been told I have long-winded preaching issues. Who believes that? Like, we'll find out today, maybe I do have that issue. I've had issues as long as I can remember, and my, I think my issues have issues. I can remember in early elementary school, uh, I was having a birthday party. My mom and dad were celebrating a birthday party for me, had all my friends over, having a great time, and for some reason, I got angry at my birthday party and stormed out of my house. Well, all my friends are having fun. My parents are hosting this great party and everybody's wondering, well, where's little Trent going? Well, little Trent had an attitude issue, had an anger issue, and I stormed out of my house. So I've had issues for a really long time in my life. Here's an interesting thing that I have been learning about my issues and how I've tried to help other people with their issues. Listen to this. Many adult issues are simply unresolved childhood issues. So think about that for just a second. Maybe think about an issue that you have in adulthood. There's a really good chance that you can chase that issue back to your childhood. And maybe you couldn't resolve it back then. Maybe you just didn't know how to resolve it back then. But many of our adult issues that we have today are simply childhood issues that we just kind of carry with us into adulthood, meaning A lot of us have had issues for a very long time. 
Now, here's an interesting, that I, interesting thing I know about you. I don't know all of you. I know some of you pretty well. I know others of you a little bit. Some of you I don't know at all. And, and if you're, you're new, I would love to, to meet you. Um, but here's what I know about you. You have issues. You have issues. Now, I will keep that a secret. I won't tell anybody else, but I think you should tell somebody else. So tell the person sitting next to you that you have issues. Go ahead. I didn't say explain all your issues. I just said, say, I've got issues. Okay, now say back to that person, I know you have issues, but Trent has more than both of us. So go ahead. You can say that. You can say that. Okay. All right, so the reality is we all have issues, including people in the Bible. And my men's group has been reading through the Bible this year. We're just a little over halfway through. And one of the regular conversations that we kind of have in our group as we're reading and talking about the people that we're learning is, wow, those people had issues. You know, if you think back to the beginning of the story, we get to Genesis chapter three and Adam and Eve had issues. Uh, their son Cain had issues and you go on to Noah had issues and Abraham and Sarah had issues. Jacob and Rebecca had issues. Moses had issues. King Saul had issues. King David had issues. King Solomon had issues. Almost every person in the Bible had issues, including Jesus. Jesus had disciple following issues. You know, many of the things that Jesus modeled for his disciples, they didn't do. They said, well, we're not going to live like that. And Jesus even had some issues with his followers. So again, we all have issues. So the reality is we aren't alone in our issues. Uh, Our issues may be unique to us, but our issues are not unique. There are other people who have battled the same thing that you're battling. You know, sometimes we think, you know what? Nobody else knows what it's like to deal with this issue. That's simply not true. Other people know what it's like to deal with your issues. And and that's true, whether you're a Christ follower or not. Just because you become a Christ follower, that doesn't mean instantly your issues go away. In fact, you might discover that you have a few more issues after you become a Christ follower. Following Jesus might become one of your new issues. So if you aren't a Christ follower, here's the encouraging thing about that is you know, all your, your friends or all the people that you know in your life that are Christ followers, that, that you think like, ah, maybe they think they have a perfect life. Maybe they think they don't have any issues. That's just not true. They have issues. You have my permission to tell them that. You know, just say, hey, my bald pastor who has issues says you have issues as well. So we all have issues. Now, here's a funny thing about our issues. Our issues are harder to see than other people's issues. You know, we're all pretty good at recognizing other people's issues and being experts at what we think they should do to fix their issues, right? Like we all know somebody, you know, and you're talking privately about that person with somebody else. uh, And, and, you know, we're kind of bold in those moments. Well, you know, they've got this issue. You know what they need to do? They need to do this, this, and this to fix their issue. Like we're real confident, sometimes cocky when it comes to talking about other people's issues. But when it comes to our issues, sometimes it gets a little harder to see. Sometimes it gets a little harder to know what to do with our issues. You know, I find it interesting for myself personally. I have a background in counseling. I can counsel all day long on how couples 
should have great marriages and give them tools and strategies for how to have a great marital relationship and I can go home and have a great fight with my wife and not apply anything I've taught all day long. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard for me to see my issues. I can see other people's issues a little bit easier and I can see mine. Now, I wanna think for a moment out loud with you about where our issues come from. So it's easy for us to think, you know what? Most of our issues come from other people, right? Like, you know, we like to blame other people for our issues, but I think our issues come from one of four places. They come from others, they come from us, they come from life, and they come from God. So we'll start here with others. So that's the most common place that we think our issues come from. They come from other people, how somebody treated you, maybe how you were parented as a child, maybe you had a bad experience as a kid, maybe you went through some abandonment issues, maybe you were treated poorly at school. And so some of our issues just come into adulthood because of how other people have treated us. Or maybe you have issues right now in adulthood because of how someone else is treating you, maybe at home, maybe at work, maybe at school. And it comes from another source outside of you. Other issues that we have come from us. Like they come from our personality. They come from our wiring. They come from how we stepped into the world. You know, my mom uh, has said about me that as a kid, I had this really intense personality. And I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Like, like, yeah, like I proved that. Like, hey, you remember when you were in early elementary school and you stormed out of the house because you were angry at your birthday party? Like, oh yeah. So there are a whole lot of issues in my life that I brought into my life. Nobody else did. There are a whole lot of issues in your life that you brought into your life. Nobody else did. So our issues come from us. They come from others. They come from us. And then some issues just come from life. There are are things that happen in life. It's nobody's fault. Maybe there's a freak accident that happened in your life and maybe when you get around environments that remind you of that accident, like maybe some issues start surfacing for you. Maybe you were chased by a dog when you were a kid and so you have dog issues as an adult. You know, some issues just come from life. It's nobody's fault, it just happened. Other issues come from God. This might sound a little bit weird, But some of our issues come from God or our reaction to what we think God should have done or he didn't do in our story. So maybe God allowed something to happen in your life that you wish he wouldn't have let happen. Or maybe God didn't step in and do something when you thought he should have stepped in to do something. And maybe that created some faith issues, maybe some trust issues for you. The reality is all of us have faith issues. Some of our issues in life come from God or our response to what God has done or hasn't done in our lives. But the big question, regardless of where issues come from, the big question that we have to deal with is this. What are we gonna do with our issues? What are we gonna do with them? Like, do we wanna just keep dragging those things around the rest of our lives? You know, sometimes we do that because we don't know what to do with our issues and we just make more issues and we just think, you know, our issues become like a, a family member. We don't know what to do without our issues. Like what would life be like without them? So sometimes we hold on to them because they're familiar. But I think if we pull back the layers of excuses related to that, I think the answer for all of us is we don't want to deal with our issues anymore. Like we, we actually want to get rid of them so that we can do life 
without our issues. And sometimes that seems like a, a dream world. Like, what would it be like to live life without issues? I don't know that we could ever get to the spot that we don't have issues, but I think we can actually deal with our issues. We can start addressing our issues and, and dealing with those things on a regular basis to have less issues in life. So in this series, we're gonna explore five steps that we can take to address our issues. And for those of you who are ready to start dealing with your issues, here's step number one. Step number one to deal with our issues is we have to, what's that word? We have to admit our issues. We have to say, I have an issue. And here's what that issue is. We have to describe it. We have to get clear about it. We have to admit our issue to ourselves. And I think we have to admit our issue to God. Now, I know that sounds so easy, but this is the hardest step out of all the five. This is the hardest one. We have such a hard time admitting our issues. And, and I'm curious, does anybody know anybody else who is having a hard time right now admitting an issue in their lives that you can see? Anybody know that? Anybody? All right, you know the interesting thing is? Someone might right now be holding up their hand thinking about you, that you're having a hard time admitting an issue in your life. So admitting our issues seems so easy and yet it's so difficult. And I wonder why. Like, why is it so difficult for, for us to admit our issues? And I wanna start kind of out there for just a second. And I would love for you to participate. If you're watching online, feel free to comment in the chat section. But for those on campus, why do you think some people have a hard time admitting their issues? Change, pride. Uh, what was that? Might have to address it, yes. What over here? Somebody said something. You, you, maybe you don't know that you have it. Is that what I heard right? Shame. Shame, yeah. Great. Guilt. Great answers. Okay, so let's take it from out there to a little bit more personal. You don't have to answer this question. At least you don't have to answer it out loud. You do have to answer it. Why do you have a hard time? admitting your issues. Again, don't answer that out loud, but why do you have a hard time admitting your issues? So I'll answer it out loud for myself. Here are some reasons why I struggle to admit my issues. Number one, I'm prideful. I'm prideful and I have perfectionism issues and fear of failure issues. So if I admit I have an issue, for me, that means I've failed in some way and that means I'm not perfect. And I know, you all know I'm not perfect, but there are moments I don't want you to know that. I want you to think that I'm perfect. And so for me to admit an issue means I've failed in some way, which creates another issue for me. So I have a hard time admitting my issues because I'm prideful. Second reason that I have a hard time admitting my issues is because I think I can manage my issues. And when I think I can manage my issues, I convince myself I don't have an issue. If I can manage it, it's not an issue. If I can't manage it, apparently it is, it is an issue. But if I can manage it, like I got it under control. So if I think I can manage it, I convince myself I actually don't have it. Third reason I have a hard time admitting my issues is I don't wanna do the work involved. Sometimes I look at the work involved and I go, that's a lot of work. I'd rather not do that. 
Life is too busy right now. I'll wait till later. When later comes, I go, life is too busy right now. I'll do that later. So I postpone the work necessary because I think the work to deal with my issues is too difficult. Another reason why I have a hard time admitting my issues is because I don't want other people to know I have issues. Kind of goes back to my pride. Like I just don't want to admit to anybody else that I have issues. So those are some reasons why I have a hard time admitting my issues. And yet I wonder why do you have a hard time admitting your issues? The answer to that question is the key to starting to deal with your issues. Now there's a guy in the Bible that had a really hard time admitting his issue. And we're gonna learn a little bit from him today. And his refusal to admit his issue actually led to other issues. And it led to other issues for him and for other people who had to deal with his issues. And that's a thing about our issues. When we refuse to admit and deal with our issues, it creates other issues for ourselves and for other people. So the guy that we're gonna learn from today is known as David. He's actually King David in the context that we're gonna read about him. He's the second king of the nation of Israel. And if you're new to, to faith, you're new to the Bible, if you've ever heard the story of David and Goliath, this little shepherd boy who killed this giant, that's the David that we're talking about. So David you know, went from a shepherd to a giant killer to the second king of the nation of Israel. And God himself described David as a man after God's own heart. God had a great relationship with David. David had a great relationship with God. But David had an issue that led to other issues. 2 Samuel chapter 11 tells us about those issues. In, in verse one, it says this. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Now, let me explain how it was possible for David to see her on her rooftop. David's palace was built on a mountain in Jerusalem. And I have stood on that mountain. I've stood on a roof on that mountain. And I've looked down into the valley. And the slope of that valley is so steep that when you're standing on the roof of one home, you can see the roof of the home right below you. And you can see very well what those people are doing. So it was really easy for David to see Bathsheba. And we could spend a whole lot of time talking about why David should have been at war, why he shouldn't have been home, but I wanna focus in on his issue and his refusal to admit that issue. And here's some additional information that kind of complicates this story. David already had multiple wives and concubines. We're not sure how many. His son, Solomon, ended up with a thousand wives and concubines. So what David did in moderation, his son did in excess. But David had more than enough wives and concubines than he needed. But this encounter reveals that David had an issue. David had a lust issue. 
When he saw Bathsheba, he chose not to control his lust issue. Verse five says, later when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying just two words, I'm pregnant. Now this was David's like, oh crap moment. Or sorry if that was offensive, but it was oh no moment. Like, like oh no, what do, what do we do? And I think we all know what this moment is like. Yeah, most of us know what it's like to do something that we hope no one else finds out about. And if it looks like they're gonna find out about it, we get real creative on how to craft a story that makes it look like we didn't really do what it seems like we did or why we just had to do that because we had no other option, right? We get real creative on how to address that to minimize the damage that 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 event might create in our lives. And some of us even go to the extent of trying to hide the thing that we did to hide our issue. That's what David did. Here's the short version of what David did. He actually ordered for Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to be murdered. Sad part of that is, in addition to just having him murdered, is that Uriah was a trusted uh, member of his military. He was a trusted member of his army, and he was actually out in battle fighting for David at that time. David brought him home, had a conversation with him. He was actually trying to get him to go home to spend time with his wife so he could hide what he had done. And Uriah said, I will not do that. My men are out in battle. I will not go home. He slept on the steps of the palace. And David tried to get him drunk to send him home. Even that wouldn't work. He had such deep conviction Uriah had such deep conviction. He would not betray his king. He would not betray his men in battle. And so David said, I'll come up with another idea. So David wrote an order. He wrote an order for Uriah to be killed in battle. And he gave that order to Uriah and Uriah carried his own death sentence to his commanding officer. His commanding officer read that. They got into a spot in the battle where they pulled back from Uriah so that he would die and so that it would look like he died valiantly. So David went to great lengths to hide his issue and he created another issue. After Uriah was murdered, David married Bathsheba. And I wonder how many people in David's kingdom thought, man, David is such a good king. You know, one of his trusted military officers died in battle and his wife is pregnant. So he married her to help her so that she doesn't become a, a, a single mom and homeless. Like, like he's trying to take care of her and her child. I wonder how many people thought that about David, but David couldn't hide his issue from God. Second Samuel 11 verse 27 says, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. So God sent Nathan the prophet to confront David. And you know, imagine if you're Nathan for just a moment. Imagine God saying like, hey, I want you to go confront David over this issue. He's just committed a lust issue and now a murder issue. Now I want you to go confront him. You, know, you might be thinking like, hey, if he's willing to kill Uriah, he might be willing to kill me to keep his secret. We're not sure if that's what Nathan thought, but Nathan went. And he told King David a story. 
The story went a little bit like this. He said, David, let me tell you about two guys I know. One guy is really rich. He has like a thousand sheep. And then another guy is really poor. He has one little lamb and he loves that lamb. He takes care of that lamb. Like he feeds that lamb at his table. He treats it like one of his kids. He feeds it from his own hand. That lamb is so special to him. Well, David, one day the rich guy has a, a visitor Somebody comes to visit him, he wants to prepare him a meal. So what he does is he doesn't take from his thousand sheep, he takes this poor man's lamb. He takes it, he kills it, he prepares it, and he offers it to his guest as a meal. David, what do you think of those guys? David responded in 2 Samuel 12, verse five, it says that he was furious. David said, as surely as the Lord lives, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one that he stole for having no pity. Then Nathan said, David, you are that man. Can you imagine how quiet it got in that room in that moment? Can you imagine what David's servants who are standing around are thinking like, oh, we're just about to watch a bloodshed? Or what is David gonna do? We have no idea. We're not sure how long it took for David to respond, but I'm sure several thoughts rolled through David's mind. I'm sure one thought was, do I try to cover this up even more? Do I have Nathan executed? because he's now trying to reveal my secrets? Or do I stop running from my issue and do I deal with my issue? Verse 13 tells us that David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now the word confess in the Bible basically means this. It basically means to agree with someone or to say the same thing as someone else. So it has that idea of admitting. When I confess, if you see an issue in my life and I confess to that, I'm agreeing with you saying, yep, you know what? I've got that issue. So what David was doing in this moment was he was agreeing with God that he had several issues, that he had done wrong. And there's an amazing thing that happened after David confessed. And listen to what David wrote in Psalms 32 about this event. He says in, in verse one, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And that's often what happens to us when we refuse to confess our issues, when we confuse to confess our sin to God, it affects us physically. It was affecting David physically. Verse five, he says, finally, finally, I confessed all my sin to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And guess what? You forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So God does powerful things when we admit our issues, when we confess our sin to him. Now I condense that story 
pretty significantly. You can actually read uh, other parts of that story and some of the painful consequences that David had to face as he walked through that confession. Uh, There are natural consequences to our choices. But here's what you'll read. If you read this this week in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you'll learn that God forgave David and God blessed him on the other side of his confession and the other side of those consequences that he had to face. Now, let me be clear about something. I am not saying that every issue we have is a sin issue. You know, some of our issues are sin issues. Some of them aren't sin issues, but regardless of whether they're a sin issue or not a sin issue, an issue is an issue. And in order to deal with our issues, we have to admit to ourselves, and I think to God, that we have an issue. And then as we do that, God begins to do powerful things in us to help us fix our issues. So here's my closing question for you. What is your issue? What's your issue? What's the thing in your life that's holding you back from the life that you desire or the life that God desires for you? Do you have pride issues? Do you have trust issues? Do you have anger issues? Do you have anxiety issues? Do you have attitude issues? Do you have abandonment issues? Do you have temptation issues? Do you have insecurity issues? Do you have jealousy issues? Do you have image issues? Do you have commitment issues? Do you have bitterness issues? Do you have faith issues? Do you have forgiveness issues? Do you have food issues? Do you have marriage issues? Do you have parenting issues? Do you have fear issues? Do you have lust issues? Do you have greed issues? What's your issue? What's the issue that's holding you back in life? Admitting your issue is the first step to actually dealing with your issue. Again, when we admit our issues, we're actually taking responsibility for them. We're labeling them. We have to label them and give them a name if we're gonna take responsibility for them. Otherwise, we're still in denial and we're saying our issues are are out there somewhere or it's somebody else's issue, it's not really our issue. So when we admit them, we label them, we give them a name. So what is your issue? Be specific about it. Give it a name, give it a label. Here's my closing challenge for all of us. Admit one issue that you have to yourself and to God this week. You could start during our final song. Our worship team will guide us through a song and that'd be a perfect time for you to just kind of reflect on an issue that you have in your life and to admit that to yourself and maybe in prayer, admit that to God and say, God, like I admit, I agree with you. I confess I have this issue. Maybe that'd be a perfect time for you to do that. Now, if... um, You're sitting here thinking, scratching your head like, I can't think of an issue. I encourage you to ask the person that came with you. 
Um, or if you're online, you know, maybe text a friend. You know, hey, what issues do you think I have? That might be an interesting text conversation. The reality is we all have issues. And again, sometimes it's harder for us to see our issues, but other people can see our issues. So if you can't think of an issue, ask somebody. I'm sure they would love to tell you what they think your issue is. Now, let's say that you're here on campus or maybe you're watching online and you're you're at that spot of exploring faith and and you're saying like, I don't know that I'm ready to admit that there might be a God, so how am I gonna confess that to him? Start by admitting to yourself. That's the first person we have to admit that we have issues. So start there and be open in this series to what God might wanna say to you about that. Next week, We'll talk about step number two for dealing with our issues. And I just wanna remind you, if if any of our messages in this series or any series that we have kind of create a a need for you to talk to somebody or get some prayer on Sunday morning, I encourage you to stop by our care center before you leave. We've got some great people there. Love to pray with you, pray for you, help you in any way that we can. I'll be in the lobby as well. I'd love to talk with you. If you've got an issue that's kind of coming up, and you need to begin a conversation, we'll be out there. We'd love to talk with you. If you're watching online and you'd like to reach out to us, email us at care at theepicchurch.com and we would love to help you in any way that we can. Now, before we sing together, uh, let me encourage you to do one more thing. We've got invitation cards at the back of each seating section for this series. A little business-sized cards and I encourage you to take a handful of them. We've got hundreds of them. So take a handful of them and hand them out everywhere you go, at home, at work, at school, if you go out to lunch today, hand them out and invite people to be a part of this series. And if somebody that you hand it to is offended and they say like, what are you saying? I have issues? Say in return, no, I'm not saying you have issues. I'm saying you need to come to Epic and hear my pastor and his issues. He has a lot of issues. Just invite them to come hear my issues because throughout this series, I'll tell you more about my issues. Okay, so to deal with our issues, step number one, we have to admit our issues. And when we do that, when we admit our issues, God does powerful things in us. He begins the process of helping us deal with our issues. So let's pray together and then we'll sing. God, I thank you for scripture Lord, as, you know, like I said, my men's group has been reading through scripture. We find that pretty much everybody in the Bible had issues. And that means we're not alone because we have issues as well. And Lord, you have a plan for us to deal with our issues. You don't want us just dragging our issues around in life. You don't want us dragging our issues from childhood into adulthood or just keeping our issues all through adulthood. You actually want us to admit our issues to identify them, to give them a label. You want us to take responsibility for those issues and you wanna help us with our issues. So Lord, I just pray for all of us. Lord, that first step is so big and so hard. We've got so many excuses for why we don't wanna admit our issues. So Lord, I pray that you would peel back the layer of all of those excuses I pray that we would fight against those excuses. We would humbly admit to ourselves and to you an issue that we have. We would give it a name, we would give it a label. And today we take responsibility for an issue that we have in our lives 
and responsibility for fixing that issue. Thanks for being a God who loves us. Thanks for being a God who blesses us on the other side of confession. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.